If I can take that up as well, and, and, and perhaps that particular example at the end there, John, the GMO foods one, um, and of course that has caused controversy and is likely to cause controversy for a number of years. I guess one of the things we're saying is that we do live in a, a, a complex world, um, not only in the way we describe things, but also in the, the materiality of the world and so on, the way the social and the natural come together. Um, if that uncertainty is always there, um, it, it's not something that necessarily we can get rid of. I mean, sometimes we may close down certain uncertainties, but there's always going to be some level of uncertainty. I think we've cleared or suggested that's the case. Um, then what kinds of policy, if you like, can come out of um, realising that there's always going to be doubt or uncertainty? What, what sorts of things, when people have to make decisions, what kind of resources can they draw on? If we stuck with GM, it might be helpful because it's going on or has been going on in Britain in a quite extraordinary way, that debate. And I think it does point to some important lessons. One is that I think any attempt to abstract too much from particular social settings, notions of objective risk and safety, is not likely to be very helpful when you go back into those social settings. You can do, people have done, so-called objective risk assessments of um, particular gene technologies in agriculture. You could discuss those. What becomes clear when you look at a debate like the one we've been having is that people's attitudes to risk in the concrete situation we've been in, their attitudes are enormously complex because the situation is enormously complex, actually. And it, uh, the, the situation includes, for example, just to name a few things, um, a recent history of change in the countryside which has clearly left quite a lot of people feeling uncomfortable about how our farming is being conducted in relation to other important social values. Uh, for example, in the context of more than 10 years of debate and controversy about the safety of new technologies in food production, of which BSE is the single largest case, which has led, I think, to quite a lot of public distrust of governmental and industrial practices and, 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 and policies in those areas. For example, in relation to the, the whole relationship between consumers and, and, and that enormously long food chain, as it's now called, I mean, as soon as you start to put these different layers in, you begin to realise that people's attitudes to GM food are not any kind of simple product of a, quotes, risk assessment. They are a much more subtle set of things. And, and for me, that's one of the lessons we need to take on board. So yes, you need risk assessments. Nobody ought to be saying we shouldn't be doing the risk assessments. But I don't think anybody should be assuming they will solve all the problems. To even think that they would. I mean, you have to ask the classical um, question of cui bono. And, you know, who is doing the risk assessment? Um, what interests are they seeking to serve? Whose interests are not being served? Who's left out? Who's in? So there's a whole lot of things that go on in this situation that risk assessment can be useful, but it has to also be tremendously transparent so that you can actually see whose interests are being protected, whose interests are being silenced, and so on and so forth. If I were a GM manufacturer, I would be beating on the door of the government to demand transparency, because that is, that is the only hope that they've got for getting um, GMO food publicly accepted, because this secrecy and the culture of secrecy actually means that you can't see whether the risk assessment is adequate. And people are very shrewd at weighing things up. Yeah. I think that's what I get from both of you. I mean, the notion that we need perhaps lots more knowledge in this world now than we did before because we can't take for granted 
the food and so on that we eat, perhaps, or perhaps we never have been able to, but there's different sorts of knowledges that we need. And people are um, are getting more... Perhaps mistrustful of the kinds of knowledge that they're being offered, and as as, as Hillary says, there's this notion that um, people want to look behind these risk assessments and say, why is it being presented in this way? Why have you looked at this issue but not at this issue, and so on? And the BSC case, I guess, was a classic of that because although the absolute risks in terms of what was being presented by the government were very low or near to zero in terms of getting CJD from from meat. The public nonetheless voted with their purses and, and wallets and said that's that's of no interest to us. John, do you think people are becoming more suspicious now of expert opinion and advice? Yes, I think actually the, the claim that, that risks were at any particular level with BSE is itself, I think, problematic, as we've been mm. discovering. And a lot of people are saying now, all these years later, that we still don't know. Uh, I think the best available scientific advice at the moment, as far as I can gather, is that we still don't know what the health burden from BSE may be in the human in the British population, and we have to sort of wait and see. So I think even at that level, it's problematic. I think you're right, though, that, and this is a point that that, that Hillary was making. That, that again, there's there's shift here, and the word trust. You use the word mistrustful. The word trust has come to be seen as an important focal point for attention here, and that's both good and I think potentially a trap. I mean, I think it's good because it it, it makes us realise that we can't just go on. Uh, about how much people know and whether they're adequately informed about some supposedly objective world of, of scientific or technical facts. But it's, I think, a danger if we start to think that trust is some magic ingredient, uh, like knowledge, actually, that, you know, we could have a... Let's have a public policy for trust, you know, and we'll, we'll, in, we'll go out with a campaign to increase trust. And as soon as you say that, you think, hang on, what, what kind of a campaign is that, you know? And clear, clearly the word trust is carrying again a whole range of implications about the relationships between people in society, ultimately, about relationships in particular in these cases, I think, between people and various institutional interests that they are dealing with, whether it be the people they buy food from or the government which sets policy for them or whatever. And uh, I do think it's right that we live in a a less deferential culture now, a culture in which people expect to be able to interrogate more. Anybody who stands up in public and claims to the authority to either say what's what or what should be done. And I think that's something around which the scientific and technical communities really have to rethink the way they're doing business. One of the things about trust, I guess, is that it's uh, it's once you've got it, it's very nice, but it, you can lose it overnight, and it's very difficult to build up again. Is is the idea of transparency that you were mentioning there? Is that the sort of thing that we need to build trust, if if that is such a thing that well, we can I, do? I, I mean, I, I think the most je- dangerous project um, would be to let us what are, what are known as the spin doctors get hold of it, because this would mm. be, I mean, this would be so disastrous to pretty well all sectors of society, because the one thing, as we know, is you know, we do not trust those people. Um, it seems to be those countries where they... And, you know, countries vary in how much trust is given to the state about its transparency of procedures. And, you know, Britain does score fairly low on this, as we do on almost everything else. Countries like um, Denmark and, and the Netherlands have produced much greater levels of trust. And this is, I think, directly attributable to a much greater transparency in their um, policy formation proceedings, that they're willing to let people look at them. And actually, the very fact of being open suggests that you're not, you haven't anything to hide. And so citizens may not 
bother to look, but they know they can. And that produced a great difference. Whereas in Britain, I mean, we do have this, I mean, I'm boringly repetitive about it, this culture of secrecy, the passion for appointing committees of the, uh, of the good and the great in the sciences and wherever else, and their, and their deliberations are really very much kept from the rest of us. And BSC would have been much more useful, had been a great deal more of that debate kept open. I mean, had we known, for example, that when they proposed um, cutting out the central nervous system in um, slaughterhouses, that none of the members of the committee had ever been into a slaughterhouse. If you know, if you have, you know it's a shade more difficult to carry out a rather delicate piece of surgical removal with a chainsaw. That's another good example, I think, of where the uh, the, the the knowledge that was gained was was much was was very much focused on the natural science of the disease rather than the kind of social understanding of the way in which food is produced and the kind of production lines and so on um, of... of uh, well, it, it's a very narrow concept of what mm. is a, an expert, and that is that if you have a very narrow concept of an expert, and in principle they're seen as wearing a white coat, um, but if you recognise that farmers, um, slaughterhouse managers, have a, a, a real expertise in that particular food chain, then they should be in there at the discussion table because they do have an expertise which we cannot afford to ignore and I think it's our very peculiar construction of what constitutes an expert in Britain which has given us such a hard time with the management of a number of rather rather serious risks lately. From the Open University. For more information go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.